Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of MSTA Presents, uh, kind of our weekly podcast, although there are weeks that we miss. Um, and uh, I am very fortunate today to have the author of the next book that we're reviewing in uh, the, the next issue of School and Community, which you'll start to see at your homes in um, early June. And uh, the name of the book is Leading the Whole Teacher, Strategies for Supporting the Educators in Your School. Author is Allison Apsey. So, Allison, thank you for being willing to talk with me today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, thank yeah. you for asking. Well, I, I kind of wanted to start. So, I, I know your background just based on what I've read in the book. Um, and I thought it would be helpful for uh, the audience to kind of hear where you came from because uh, you, you, of course, were an administrator. Uh, but before that, you were a classroom teacher. So, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your background first. Yes. Well, I want to tell the most important part of my background um, for those who um, are from Missouri is that I got engaged on top of the St. Louis Arch. Oh, <laughs> okay. So you you took the ride up to the arch. Did you know it was going to happen? No, no. Okay. My brother um, was working in St. Louis after college. He got a job there and he said I couldn't visit him until I turned 21. <laughs> Um, you can interpret that however you want. Um, but my my boyfriend and I went and visited him. And my brother knew, of course, my boyfriend at the time knew. And uh, we were looking out like there's the arch is not, especially back in 1998 when this happened, mm -hmm. the inside of the arch is not remarkable. So we were looking no. outside the arch <laughs> and my brother had my husband or my now husband and I turn to, he wanted to take a picture of us inside the arch, which I thought was super strange. And then I turned to my husband and he was too nervous to get down on one knee and he just was holding the ring. And I'm like, Sam, so we were just little babies when we, we got married, but that's my, um, St. Louis always has a, a special place in my heart. And, um, he actually married a woman who is from St. Charles right outside of St. Okay. Louis and. Yeah, my niece is living downtown St. Louis right now, right by oh, okay. the field. And yeah, so that's the most important thing about me that I wanted to share. <laughs> well, and and we appreciate that, especially. So you did that before the arch and all of that area had been kind of renovated too. So right. that was the older version of the the St. Louis arch. Um, and so I, I don't, and everybody doesn't realize though, that you are where you live and where you came from is not like across the border you weren't in illinois you were much further away so that was a trip to get to the arch yeah. correct yeah <laughs> it was definitely a trip yeah so i'm i'm from michigan um born in in west and raised in west michigan so grand rapids area and um my first job was in a, a pretty urban district as a as a young teacher um right outside of grand rapids and then i ended up taking a position in Traverse City, Michigan, which if anybody's familiar with that area, it's it's a gorgeous resort town. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and I helped open a charter school there. And okay. I ended up being for 14 years and I became a principal there of secondary. I thought I was going to be, my, my entire career was going to be as a first grade teacher, but we know how that goes. Yes. <laughs> I ended up as a, a junior high and then a high school principal. And um, after the 14 years there, we moved back downstate to the Grand Rapids area, and I became an elementary principal where I spent the last eight years. <clears throat> this is getting complicated. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no. last year, about a year ago, we just moved to Georgia. So okay. um, yeah, so now I live in Georgia, but in that process of that transition, what was my side hustle, which was 
um, you know, writing books and speaking mm-hmm. and then coaching, uh, leadership performance coaching, PLC coaching, those kind of things that became my full-time job. So over the past year, I have traveled literally from New York to California to work with districts and schools um, in one of those realms. So either I'm sharing the ideas in my books or I'm working with an organization called Creative Leadership Solutions that was founded by Dr. Douglas Reeves. And I am a PLC coach, a leadership performance coach. I coach about coaching. Like um, <laughs> I get to work uh, at power, work and helping teachers develop power standards, performance tasks, common formative assessments. So there's lots of um, lots of opportunities for different work, just depending on what the needs of the districts are. Um, but mostly, I'm in um, high poverty, low socioeconomic, um, diverse schools and districts. And I, I think what I, what I appreciate about that explanation is it, it helps everyone understand that you have seen uh, school districts and schools from a, a number of different uh, areas and, and levels. I mean, from a teacher in the classroom to a principal in several different types of buildings in, in school districts. And I think that's helpful for everybody to, to kind of understand uh, the where, where you're coming from when you you start talking about what it means to lead the whole teacher. Um, you know, when I read the book, uh, one of the things that came to mind for, for me was it, it seems that there's this needs to be a fundamental fundamental understanding and, and need for empathy first on the part of school leaders. Am I am I off? Am yeah. I did no. I read something different in there? Okay. <laughs> you were spot on. So yeah, yeah. I, I I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that because it's and and we'll get into kind of the six components of what that means in a second. But to me, all of those components start with empathy. Yes, yes. No, that's a very good in, in, insight into the book. And I think like as Brene Brown teaches us that empathy is feeling with someone. So it's not necessarily putting yourself in someone else's shoes and think, you know, as a school leader, one of the first lessons you need to learn is do not expect teachers to be you or to teach like you. Like what we need to do is help bring out the greatness in them. And in in order to develop empathy, what we really need to do first is listen. And we need to ask really good questions. And those are keys to leading the whole teacher. And and I appreciate also what you said about my experience, because I became a principal so young in my career that I spent the last 19 years as a school leader. And in that process, like I, I was not a great leader of the whole teacher when I first started, but I was able to hone those practices. And even like I left Quincy Elementary last year and there were strengths around the six pillars of leading the whole teacher. And there were also areas where we needed to grow. And I, I want that message to be loud and clear of this is this is a framework to help school leaders identify and teachers identify where are the strengths in supporting teachers in our school and where are our next steps in, in room and what room do we have to grow? Yeah, I, I've, when you talk about the importance of listening, I, I think of some bosses and uh, administrators that I've had in the past when I was a, a teacher um, and they wanted to solve the problem. And so there wasn't much listening that took place. And sometimes you you just wanted to share the situation and in sharing, you would start to come to some solutions. But I've had some leaders that just said, okay, here's what you do. This is what you need to do. And I wanted to say, and, and a couple of times I did say, you know, I, I, 
I just want you to hear me right now. And I, I'm sure that you have learned that over the course of your time as a, an administrator as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. I was that leader who like ran around like a chicken with my head cut off, like whack-a-mole solving all the problems, but then realized that that like incapacitated the staff in their like confidence in their ability to solve problems and that I trusted them to solve problems. And so it did become like the, in my leadership evolution, it became the shift of listening carefully and asking really good questions. And I'm I'm kind of a slow processor. So that comes a little bit more naturally to me um, because as I, I do have to spend that time listening and processing what they, they say, um, but I think it's crucial in leadership to empower all the staff to be problem solvers themselves. Because mm -hmm. as a leader, you can't be everywhere all the time. And if that's what you're trying to do, you're not doing the job that those tasks that only you can do. Because there are some roles in the school that only the principal can do. Like mm -hmm. teacher evaluations, often only the principal can do that. And we're not giving that the, the time that it deserves in order to have it be a process that empowers teachers and helps them feel good about their practices because we're too busy solving all of these other problems that actually other people should be solving. I, I'd like to jump into talking about the six components to the whole teacher because I think it will resonate well. You know, most of our members are, are teachers. They're, they're not necessarily administrators. However, I think that they can, um, can learn and, and gain from this book, even as team leaders in some cases as well. So um, I was wondering if we could kind of walk through what the components of the, the whole teacher are, those six components. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have thought about this book with the teacher lens also, and I created a teacher like self-advocacy guide to walk mm -hmm. teachers through the six pillars and just kind of do a self-reflection and evaluation. Oh. Um, so that might be, a, that's available on my website. It might be okay. a resource that, that teachers could use, even with their teams, like you said. Okay. Um, what, but what we'll do then is, uh, sorry, I just want to make sure I say it so I remember, <laughs> we'll make sure to link to your website then so that uh, our members can can learn more information, but also uh, maybe have access to that and, and see it and that would help them as well. Absolutely. Yes, that would be great. So the six pillars and just a, a little um, background on how we landed, we mean me and myself and I <laughs> landed <laughs> on these six pillars. Um, I started this research on effective environments for teachers well before the pandemic. And there's not a lot of research out there, like scholarly research about how to take care of teachers in schools. Um, but there is a lot of research out there about how to create environments where employees can thrive. So not necessarily always specific to education, but really looking through the lens of, you know, how to support employees in general. So I was able to access scholarly research in that way, but then also just conversations that I've had um, as I travel across the country um, in my own school, as I put blog posts out on my blog or tweets or social media, just all of these opportunities to get input from teachers and to access research. And I knew I landed on the right six when I read them to teachers and you could just see them like visibly relax. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh-huh. If I had that, then I could thrive. Yep. So the, the six are valued educator, continuous learner, emotional safety, decision maker, positive relationships, and healthy workload. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's it's funny because a lot of the issues that we deal with, I mean, people join an association a lot of times for liability insurance, and I get that. 99% of what we deal with, though, are interpersonal issues, and that's probably the best way I can describe it. And it is a lack of one of those six components, or maybe sometimes all six of those components. And it's not always between a teacher and an administrator. Sometimes it can be a teacher and a teacher or just a culture that is missing some of those components. And I, I agree with you completely. If you were to share those components with many of our members, they would say, ah, yeah, that's what I'm looking for in, in my workplace. Yes. And the unique thing is that what these mean varies from individual to individual. Like an example I have is what the word support means to teachers. Like that is, that's very individual. So support for one teacher might be say yes to everything I ask. And for another teacher, it might support might be like, question me, help me think more deeply about my practices. Um, so it, that's where that empathy and that listening really come in with each of the components. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the very beginning of the book because I, I felt like you were very open and uh, transparent when you were talking about dealing with uh, with COVID and uh, the the um, it was it was the kind of feeling that I remember hearing many many times from our members. Uh, I I didn't have that experience because I was working in an office. I I could only identify with them based on what they were sharing, but reading your um, kind of explanation um, brought it back pretty quickly. And I was wondering if it was difficult to kind of open up and, and share that, that information and be that, be that open and, and that transparent. Um, I am pretty transparent. So <laughs> it is, it is not um, super difficult for me because one of my core values is integrity. And I try to live out what I put out there. So I am, um, that's, that's a natural thing for me to be as open and transparent. Um, it was interesting. Uh, I had a, an author friend who pushed me it just, you know, we all have coaches and I have mm -hmm. Brad Gustafson is one of my friends and he pushed me to change the opening to the book and to tell a story and to be more transparent. And I think that was um, a much more powerful start to the book than um, what I had. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is that I wanted leaders as they read it to see like, oh, she gets us. Like this mm -hmm. isn't a fairy tale. I did not create a book that has a, a fairy tale structure for how to improve how we support teachers in school. It is, it's real. Um, and then I also, I think, you know, it's, it is valuable for teachers to read that and be like, oh, like it's a little bit eye-opening, like our principals mm -hmm. are dealing with a lot and they can't do this work on their own. Like it has to be a collaborative effort because like you said, many of the issues that come up that disrupt emotional safety are interpersonal issues and they're not always tied to the, the school leader. They might be between colleagues. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And as you're telling that story, that illustration at the beginning of the book, um, you're, you're trying to deal with issues as they come up and they're issues you may have never have in your entire life dealt with before. I remember get, doing interviews uh, on behalf of the association with reporters and they would ask me questions about what should we do for, um, for teacher support and 
in a school district and uh, how, how do we manage this situation with COVID? And I, I honestly want to say, I don't know, man, you tell me how many <laughs> pandemics have you lived through? Um, and I tried to be polite when I said that, but I, I mean, I get that same impression from you. You're like, I don't know. I'm learning as I go. And I'm trying to be a leader at the same time and make sure that uh, the teachers in my building, in my in my district um, are, are making it are getting from getting through the day in some cases. Yes. And I think, too, like I also have books under the umbrella of serendipity. Um, my first four books are The Path to Serendipity Through the Lens of Serendipity. And that mindset, that serendipity mindset is that I'm going to learn and grow and become better because of the challenges that mm -hmm. we're going through. And that mm -hmm. was, you know, after I kind of got over the holy cow, what in the world is going on here with COVID? That's that. I'm like, this is no different. Like, this is a challenge that I want to become a better leader because I have led through. And I think we're offered those. Un unfortunately, maybe we're offered those opportunities all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I get that. I got that sense. And I, I appreciate that, you know, it's, it's learning, but learning to be better at what you do and, and recognizing that there are going to be mistakes and, and failures, but learning from those as well. Um, one of the, one of the other things that you talked about in the book, and I found very interesting, uh, based on how our state is made up, you know, and I, we talked about this before we started recording, but we have very uh, rural areas, we have suburban and, and urban areas. And um, you talked about what safety looks like from a district to from district to district and how it can be different from um, for, for a rural district. Even I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that anecdote, but I found it very interesting. It's the kind of thing that if if you were considering reading this book, you will want to read it so that you can read through uh, kind of the, the the rest of this anecdote. But I was wondering if you could explain just a little bit about that that particular uh, example in the book. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting because so I use a tool called Mentimeter, which mm -hmm. um, you all might be familiar with. Um, but it's a way to when I, I work with groups, it's a way to get responses from the audience. And it's so interesting. Um you know, high school teachers often mirror the behavior of high school students. <laughs> and when I use a tool like Mentimeter and we make a word cloud, um, they they might just be a little bit more uncomfortable with being vulnerable. So they put like a joke up on the, the word cloud. Well, it was, I was in a high school in, um, oh gosh, I think in Tennessee maybe. Mm -hmm. And I asked that question and they put authentic responses, but a few put like these joking responses. Well, a couple of weeks later, I was in a district in South Dakota and I asked the same question. And one of the, many of the teachers actually, because it in the word cloud, as the word is used more frequently, it becomes larger in the center. And one of the big words in the center was mud. And I'm like, oh, you guys, you high school teachers again, like there must be high school teachers in this audience. Um, and no offense to high school teachers. I love them. They just have a little different lens. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in actuality, that was a concern for this school district in South Dakota because they have to travel on dirt roads, which when there's a lot of rain, they become very muddy and they can, it, the mud can pull their car off the road. And this particular school where they said the mud several times, you know, it must have happened recently and they have a very dangerous drive. In fact, um, some of the parents would come out to the edge of the road, end of the road with tractors to bring the teachers in so they didn't oh, wow. have to drive their cars down that road. But you're right in that 
it can what 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 affects our safety, our emotional safety and physical safety at school, that definitely does vary from community to community. But there's there are a few things that don't vary. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you what do you mean? I mean, I, I think I know what you mean. But can you give me an example of what doesn't vary from district to district? So every time I ask this question, regardless of where I am, or what time it is. So it might have been during COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, this world yeah. that we're in. Um, it might have been when um, school violence was in the headlines in particular that week. Whatever the circumstances are, always when I ask that question in word cloud form, there are interpersonal issues that come out in the center largest. So it might be gossip. It might be judgment. And in some cases, it might be teacher evaluation. Okay. Like that's yeah. when I asked this question, what might cause, I'll, I'll reveal the question to your listeners, but I asked the, the question specifically is what might cause a teacher to feel unsafe at school? And I would say 90% of the time it's gossip, judgment, teacher evaluation, um, bullying. And when they, they talk about bullying, they're talking about adult bullying. So you mean a teacher feeling bullied by other, by colleagues, perhaps. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and similar situations, we deal with very similar situations. Again, like I said, it, uh, many of the issues we deal with are interpersonal issues, but can be dramatic interpersonal issues. And bullying, of course, is, is one of those things. Um, and I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think individuals, always understand or comprehend what that's like if they are not in the education profession um, or they're not working in the same kind of setting that that teachers are working in in a, in a school or classroom setting it's that's so true yes and going back to what we talked about in the beginning that idea of empathy I think for any school leader out there any teacher leader or any teacher the first question is, what might make a teacher feel unsafe in this school? Like, let's ask that question. Let's lay some answers out on the table. Let's ask it with using Mentimeter, word cloud, kind of an anonymous kind of way where we can make a group definition. And then let's sift through that. Like what's within our immediate control on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. What do we have influence over and what's not in our control? And let's make a plan first for those things that are with well within our control. And then let's talk about what those things within our influence. And then let's talk about those things that are not in our control. Like that's, that's a step number one. Mm -hmm. I, and, and those are some of the things that, I mean, of course they're in the book, but you also talk about when you do presentations and when you speak in, in districts around the, the United States, correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And if somebody um, wanted more information about that, I mean, that's on the website as well. When I, when I remember to post the website into the show <laughs> notes afterwards, right? Yes, I have hundreds of blogs on my website. So you are welcome okay. to pick up a copy of Leading the Whole Teacher, or you can just search for topics or look through the, the blogs on my website or the resources attached to the Leading the Whole Teacher page. Okay. Um, I just have a couple more questions, Allison. Um, one, of, one of the things that uh, I know that our members... Uh, started to talk to us about over the last two years was the notion of self-care. And it kind of, it was interesting 
self-care and the idea of self-care started to take on kind of a negative connotation for many of our members. I mean, the intentions were always good on behalf of administrators. And usually that was the case. It was administration saying, hey, and sometimes parents, sometimes school board members saying, hey, we need to make sure that there's, we provide uh, opportunities for self-care for for our uh, our teachers. And after a while, it started to feel more like a, a platitude than anything. Um, but it, it seems to me like when you incorporate all six components of the whole teacher, you're implicitly providing self-care um, without highlighting that it's taking place. I mean, is, is that a safe assumption or? Yeah. And actually, um, if I remember correctly, we do dive into um, some, I, I prefer to think about it as personal wellness um, strategies in the healthy workload chapter. So when I asked teachers, well, first of all, I made some false assumptions about what healthy workload meant to teachers. And I put some blog posts out there and teachers came back at me saying like, Elson, I can grade papers. Like this is not the problem. The problem is the worry load that I'm carrying around on my shoulders. And so um, we talk about self-care or personal wellness in terms of like, how can we reduce that baseline stress? Like mm -hmm. what are what are some things we can take off teachers' plates? What are some strategies we can utilize? Um, even having like a place in the school where teachers can go and just get away from everything um, in a, in a Zen zone. So just different different ideas for how we can build an environment in the school that can allow teachers to take care of themselves every single day, not just during Teacher Appreciation Week, but allow themselves the tools and the space and the permission to take care of themselves every day. But first of all, we have to listen and ask those questions of like, what is, what's your baseline stress? What, what's causing anxiety right now? And um, you know, what are some strategies that we can together come up with that can address those issues? Because I, I joined a self-care team um, in, right, right in the beginning of like when self-care became like a thing we were talking about. And I was shocked. I sat down at this with this team and they were talking about um, having like their next initiative was to have potlucks at all the schools. I'm like, hmm, I, I, I like I hear like potlucks can be a good thing. But if we're if this is a self-care team and we're telling teachers like, hey, like tonight, could you go home and make dinner for your family and for the staff tomorrow? Like, and then we're going to like utilize our lunchtime to have lunchtime together. And you can yes. plug in that crock pot when you first like haul it in, plug it in, yeah. worry about it all morning, if it's being cooked or not like that, that might be team building. It might be good for school culture, but it is not self-care. And I think yes. that's where like, we have this misnomer. And the other thing I like to think about, like, if we think we're going to solve teacher problems with self-care advice, it's akin to putting a bandaid on a geyser. Like mm -hmm. that is not going to solve the problem. Now, the six components of leading the whole teacher and really diving into those, I think has potential to change the culture where teachers feel whole, seen and valued. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And like I said at the outset, even if the book or you think the book is geared primarily towards administrators, um, I if as a teacher, I would still be um, interested in picking it up because I think that there are components and things that I can learn or that I could possibly share with other leaders and administrators as as well Be, because i think once they see it once they see what the components are and and how it's not that it's easy but it's doable um you know that the process could be difficult could be hard but it would be it's going to be worth it um if you're doing what you can to be intentional about trying to follow those uh, those components 
Um, Allison, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to mention or anything else you want to say? Yeah, I do. I do want to share um, that. I, I appreciate what you said about it's not easy, but it's doable because it's action oriented. Yes. This is like, what, what steps can we take? And if we, in you know, this, the science of hope is, um, you know, a popular concept right now. And an article that I, I read recently talked about three things that we can do that can ignite hope. And I think that's something that we really need to support teachers in. They need hope. Mm-hmm. So the three things, one is setting small goals and accomplishing them. And that's what leading the, this leading the whole teacher framework can help us, can help us set small goals and accomplish them. The other is expressing gratitude. And then the third thing that we can do to help ignite hope within us is kindness and helping each other out. So, so those, those three things I think are embedded into this framework, um, which can help us feel hopeful and hopeful means that we feel Mm -hmm. empowered to create a better future. Yeah. All three things that we need to see more of uh, in and around our school districts, regardless of whether it's the, the teachers, the administrators, or the constituents, the parents. The, yeah. the community in, in around those school districts. It's important that they ha- they see and have and enact those three things as well. Um, Allison, thank you very much for being willing to, to talk with me today. And the book is Leading the Whole Teacher, Strategies for Supporting the Educators in Your School. Um, we'll have links to the book, to Allison's website in the show notes, and then look for a review about of the book. Spoiler alert, I like it. You could probably tell by the conversation. Uh, I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. In the in the uh in the summer issue of School and Community, which should be out in the next uh three or so weeks. So Allison, thank you again. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Missouri teachers, for all you do. You um enjoy a well-deserved summer break coming around yes. the corner. We're we're in some cases a week away, in some cases days away. So uh, summer is summer is almost upon us, and I hope you enjoy your summer as well. And uh, I, I hope uh, individuals look forward to reading "Leading the Whole Teacher" as a uh, it's a great summer read, uh, the kind of book that will get you energized as you get ready for uh, the fall school year. So thanks again, Allison, and look for another episode of MSTA Presents in the coming weeks.